weekends on Cambridge 105 Radio. Flavour explores the food scene in the city in South Cambridgeshire, speaking to the chefs who've made Cambridge their home. I'm just very passionate about oysters. I love eating oysters. And yeah, I suppose if it was something that I found that there was something to explore. The food trucks, the market stall holders, and those delivering fresh food to your door. It's that coal rabbi, we used to have to give it away because no one would touch it until they got to try it and use it and then, and then they came back and had it more. Flavour, this Saturday at midday, online and on Cambridge 105 Radio. The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello there and welcome to another edition of the Cambridge Film Show, broadcasting here on Cambridge 105 Radio across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Today, or tonight rather, it may be the chance for the UK to finally win some points at Eurovision. But for now, let's sit back and listen to our local reviewers' opinions on form, on films big and small, in IMAX, multiplexes and even on some streaming services. And there are some biggies to, t- to talk about today and some opinions to be shared. I'm Emma Marching, co-hosting today with the lovely Ozzy Osman. Hello. And joining us in the studio are Vicky Eyre. Hello. Tobias Bailey for the first time. Hi. Uh, Stuart Pask. Good morning. And Ashley Whitaker. Hello. We are going to visit multiverses and motherhood twice with the reserve with the return of Stephen Strange and Wanda Maximus Maximoff in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and also the slightly more chaotic multiverse conjured up by the Daniels and Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Also. Albeit maybe a couple of weeks late, but it is still packing them in. We can see what the ever-popular Apscallions of Downton Abbey are up to, jaunting off to the Riviera in Downton Abbey, a new era. And then we have some streamers to look at if you're too happy in the sunshine to rush to the cinema. Rebel Wilson is back and carrying her own film in senior year and the adaptation of Sarah Dessen's popular YA novel, Along for the Ride. So, let's jump straight in and take a trip into the Marvel Universe and film number 26. The nightmare begins. I did what I had to do. To protect our world. You cannot control everything, Strange. You opened the doorway between universes. And we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda. What do you know about the multiverse? Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous. He was right. I'm sorry, Stephen. I'm going to give you loads of numbers now. This is film number five in phase four of the Marvel saga and it's Benedict Cumberbatch's return to centre stage after the six years since Doctor Strange came out. Following directly on from the events of both WandaVision and Spider-Man No Way Home, we find Stephen Strange lovelorn over the marriage of Rachel McAdams' Christine Palmer to someone else and haunted by vivid dreams where he appears to be different versions of himself fighting alongside a powerful teenage girl, America Chavez, played by Sochi Gomez. But when Christine's wedding is interrupted by a monster bearing a similarity to a giant octopus meets Sully from Monsters, Inc., and America pops up in Stephen's real life that things start to get really freaky. Stuart, Marvel aficionado as you are, (laughs) Doctor Strange comes to the screen 
less connected, really, I thought, with the first Doctor Strange film and more to both Spider-Man and WandaVision. Is it necessary to have watched both of these to enjoy this film? Are we getting too much into a state where it's too reliant on familiarity, there's almost too much homework to be done to go into a Marvel film? I think Multiverse of Madness has got to the point now where it's, it's sort of tipping on the edge. It's sort of... I think you probably could go and see it without having seen any of the additional materials first, but... It is, they're pushing it now. They're really pushing it. And it is getting to the point now where it makes sense to go away and do the homework first. Um, otherwise, you'll probably just come out of the cinema with more questions than you went in with. Um, particularly WandaVision on, on Disney+. And, of course, and the Spider-Man, previous Spider-Man film. Um, they just tie into it so naturally. And not not just as a ter- in terms of a part of the franchise, but actually a part of Doctor Strange's story as a character as well. So, as you mentioned, there hasn't been a Doctor Strange film for six years standalone. And as a result, he's only sort of been shoehorned into the larger franchise as an additional character. So it's his time to sort of develop as a character. And we really do see that in this film. Um, so he does progress and become a more rounded character. He's not just an arrogant ex-surgeon with ma- magic powers now. He's he's becoming a bit more relatable. Um, and, and I think I think that, 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 that comes across without having to see the previous things. Excellent. Um, Yossi, this is this is a film. Obviously, Benedict Cumberbatch is, is the star of this, but also we have Elizabeth Olsen returning as Wanda Maximoff, who plays a large part in this film. And we're going to be talking about everything, everywhere later in the show, which is also about kind of regret on paths not taken, and strongly about this kind of power and desire for motherhood and the bond of motherhood. Did you feel that in this film that was tackled sens- uh, sensitively, or does it just simplify our female characters a little? I actually think um, that this film kind of let down Wanda Maximoff as a character. I did not appreciate the way that her character was written. She's a really powerful character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is so much that can be written about her and I felt like she was reduced to this role and I totally understand the motherhood themes but it just... It, it For me, it didn't feel like they developed that enough to explain her actions in the film. And I didn't like that they kind of just reduced her to this sort of simplistic, I, I hate to use the word sort of hysterical figure, but that's kind of like, it just, it didn't work for me. And I love, I love the character of Wanda Maxwell. I really enjoyed WandaVision, but I, I, I just thought it could have been developed so much better i like the film by the way i know i'm being very negative but i did i really enjoyed the film but i that's something that let me down i think i did lead you into that negativity though and i must admit you use the word hysterical and you're right i do think that they have that trope of a hysterical witch for uh, elizabeth yeah. which is a real shame when elizabeth olsen is such a gifted actress and wonder vision was such a round i mean i don't even think vision's mentioned in this rather sadly for me anyway tobias this is sam raimi coming back obviously he did the original spider-man's well, when I say original, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. Um, could you see his fingerprints on this film? Yeah, absolutely. I came into this... So, a little bit of, like, preamble. I haven't actually seen WandaVision or the latest Spider-Man, so I didn't do my homework. <laughs> and I was a little bit confused oh, nice. at times, and I came into it as a massive Sam Raimi fan. Um, that was kind of, like, the highlight for me. And, yeah, you definitely could. Um, it was especially... I quite enjoyed the fact that this was a less kind of quippy film. It kind of like fell into a bit more of a horror thriller vibe at times. And um, yeah, Sam Raimi was all over that. Had these great scenes, very, very kinetic filmmaking, almost like slapstick comedy at times. Um, But yeah, quite, 
tense as well. I want to uh, like note the Sam, like I feel like you saw Sam Raimi's influence as well, definitely in the talking about the multiverse. There is a different universe shown in this with a different set of Avengers, and when they're downfall i would say appears the gore in like the kind of not actual gore but like it's like taken off screen kind of gore in that scene is incredibly well done it was like it was a highlight of the film for me personally and it was like so this is why i'm so happy it's directed by this like by Sam, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with your points about like the implied gore because obviously it's still going to be a family film, um, and and it and it and it sort of comes across and it's definitely got Sam Raimi vibes to it. Um, but I, I think I agree with the points about the sort of the homework and the representation of Wanda in so much that actually a lot of the sort of issues of grief and motherhood um, that that uh, sort of that is brought across was already covered in WandaVision. So it's 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 sort of replaying the homework almost. So I, I don't really think it was as necessary for the character to go through that again. But yeah, it sort of explains her actions in the film. But for having done the homework, I don't think I needed it sort of spelt out to me. I was happy to see, though, this can be thrown out to anybody, I was happy to see Rachel Mc... quite a large part for Rachel McAdams in this because I thought she was kind of underwritten in the first one, to be honest, and I am a huge Rachel McAdams fan. Um, so is there, has anyone got any comments to make about her? Or Sochi Gomez, who is a new, who's a newcomer, pretty, I thought she was sassy, brought a good energy to it. Mm. There's obviously Chir- um, Chiritol Elijah Four is in here, Benedict Wong is in here. It's, so there's a lot of talent in front of the camera. Or was it well wrangled? It, I feel like this, um, the first Doctor Strange film indefinite, um, it was kind of forgettable for me, but I think I'll remember this one more because the actors that are shown have more of a leading part than they did previously. Um, Rachel McAdams, I feel like she always has leading lady quality and she brings like a kind of calmness to the screen and more like a, a realistic touch to like everything that's going around, which you kind of need that person in a Marvel film to be like, what? is happening is a bit ridiculous and then um the newcomer um Cho- Cho- sochi. sochi gomez um i i really enjoyed her um a few people that i saw it with found her maybe a bit annoying at parts but if you just take her into a more realistic context of like the things that she's currently going through i think she's a really nice new perspective character for the franchise in general and uh talking about benedict wong he was the only time he was like a highlight for me as well he's the only time i was truly scared or maybe had a fear of any character possibly being harmed um because he's going to be in the obviously the shang chi universe as well and i just just really want him to stick around he's just a highlight to the whole marvel energy agreed um yossi i'm gonna say something that is very selfish of me probably but as a viewer and how much this film was bigged up as the multiverse of madness i kind of wanted more multiverse yeah absolutely. um there's a really fantastic scene with um uh, America and Doctor Strange going through the multiverse. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like 30 seconds or something. And they go through different, different, like, universes. And um, it's really well done. And I just, I, I wish there was just a bit more of yeah. that personally. I would agree. It did feel for a multiverse film, they were stuck pretty much in maybe three, just three, it wasn't hugely multi, two devices saying two. And I also feel like they're maybe trying to write with America and, St- and Strange. There was definitely, it seemed like to me, an effort to kind of recapture that sort of Iron Man, Spider-Man relationship, even with the way, and it sounds, when Benedict Cumberbatch says, good, the whole time, it didn't quite work for me in the same way it did for, um, for, for um, Robert Downey Jr. But I greatly enjoyed this. I think it's, it's, I think it went top, straight into my top ten, I think, of Marvel films. I have to think hard about my top five, but it's my top ten. Any other comments from anybody apart from going rush and see it? Yes. I, 
I have to say, I really prefer Doctor Strange as kind of like a supplementary character. I've I found him really. I felt like this was Wanda's story the entire time. I really would have liked to see it like be reframed. Really, it was great fun. I really enjoyed the film, but like. I haven't I hadn't done my homework in a long time, and so my my memory of Strange kind of goes back a little while. And he was so enjoyable as kind of like the crusty professor who was like grounded in these situations, and then to be whipped into you know a main lead again, I found a bit distracting. I liked everyone around him. I wasn't that attached to him throughout. That's no, no. I, I, I would, I disagree with that. I really, really enjoyed seeing Benedict Cumberbatch back again, front and centre in this role. Particularly after I was not hugely wowed by his Oscar-nominated role in The Power of the Dog, <laughs> I was, I felt this was Benedict Cumberbatch kind of bringing something that nobody else quite can do. So I think, well, we've covered Doctor Strange pretty well. I think that's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It is a certificate 12A and it is showing at all cinemas in Cambridge, both in IMAX and in regular screenings. So, it's time to take a trip back to high school with Rebel Wilson. Okay, here we go. When I was in high school, I had the perfect life. I was already cheer captain. I had the hot boyfriend. And all that was left was prom queen. a mistake and I've been put in the wrong room. Dr. Johnson to the third floor. The cheerleader just woke up. Hello? Didn't have the heart to change it. Madonna's now called Lady Gaga. No. Everybody else has got to go on and live their lives. And what, I'm supposed to just jump forward? I mean, I just found out there is eight more Fast and Furious movies. I want to go back to school, finish my senior year. They can't let an almost... Rebel Wilson seems to have taken a break from presenting awards and quiz shows, travelling the world and influencing us all on Instagram to come back to her day job and make an actual film. Netflix original Senior Year stars both Wilson and Angry Rice as Stephanie Conway. In 2002, she is cheer captain and wannabe prom queen, dating the most popular guy in school and apparently a sort of strange hybrid of a mean girl and Sandy from Greece. But a cheerleading stunt goes wrong and lands Stephanie in a coma for 20 years. She wakes up at 37 with no idea of how things have changed. Her best friend is now school principal. Her boyfriend, Blaine, married her arch-enemy, Tiffany. The world is a minefield of 2022 political correctness. But Stephanie still has one dream, to be prom queen. Ash, this is hardly a fresh idea. We watched it and we were like, it's a bit like Never Been Kissed meets Goodbye Lennon, if you really want to go better about this. Did you find new entertainment to enjoy in this? Yes, I'm loving the new generation of YA films. It is very true to form, formulaic. It's a teen high school film. I love that they stuck to the brief. I was expecting this and it was very warm and comforting for me. Um, I love the roles and the lines that are being given to young actors now as opposed to people who are now my age and were acting in films like this in the early noughties because... Rebel Wilson's character went to high school in the early noughties, but I think of myself as a young, cool person, but to see how far we've come in 20 years and these young actors are teaching Rebel Wilson, don't throw gay out as a slur, don't use this word, 
let's think about that rather than focusing on this. These things are important. And it's charming to see how much better life is now in some ways for younger people at that age. That's a super positive spin. <laughs> Tobias, would you say... I? Say and make someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say this is really kind of Rebel Wilson's first role as lead, leading lady in a romantic By comedy, herself. well, not romantic comedy or a comedy, as opposed to um, you know her sort of supporting roles in other films. Based on this, would you say that she could carry a film for cinematic release? Shall we say? Um, or she does? Does she carry this film? Not for me. I feel like it's that situation where you get stuck in. It feels like everything's being improved the entire time, um, and she's just firing off quips. She's occasionally she lands some zingers, and I did find myself kind of barely laughing a bit and feeling a bit guilty <laughs> at times. <clears throat> but um, yeah, uh, she was she was all right. Did you were you more entertained then by the supporting cast? We were talking about this on before the show, weren't we? About Mary Holland, who plays her ex best friend, who then becomes the principal. Sam Richardson, obviously in SNL. Um, Chris Parnell, proper actual comedian who can act. Yeah, from from Anchorman, like I say, Sam, yeah, Sam Richardson, <laughs> SNL, and and clearly Yossi's love from the way he was. He's just been in the after party along with actually Zoe Chow as well, who plays Tiffany, and they were great in the after party. They were, and I just have so much love for Sam Richardson. Oh, if anybody has ever watched Veep, God, he plays an amazing character in Veep, Richard Splett. So I, every time I see him on screen, I'm like, it's Richard Splett. But anyway, he it's. Uh, I think I'm I'm with Ashley on this film, but I have a feeling Ashley and I are the target demographic oh, for this yeah. film. Because I was, you know, at school in 2002. I remember that belt. I remember songs. those shoes. I remember that. <laughs> and the film to me was a mix of, you know, Mean Girls, Freaky Friday, Bring It On, all those kinds of films that I love and I grew up with. So, I mean, it, it's not going to it's not it's not massively you know amazing it's not gonna get loads of awards or anything but it's kind of fun i feel like in fact they even had to bring it on costumes i did feel that their cut their costumes is the same color scheme yeah clovers in clovers which has to be a deliberate choice right <laughs> alex hardcast who directed this i think again it's his first feature film but he's done masses of, of popular television from parks and recreation to i think some 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 stuff in the disney kids channels to um superstore do you think he did he show a lightness of touch and a deafness in this first feature? It felt like a series of sketches to me and to find out that it was done by a TV director was not a surprise. To find out there were three or four writers on it was not a surprise. I think the famous members of the cast got given good writers and then the rest of the scenes were filler. Um, there were real standout, I'd say, five or six sequences in it that were killer mean girls level stuff um and the rest was filler but the main problem is just rebel wilson can't act she can't be directed by anyone to act <laughs> harsh i was gonna say that was again but compared to, for someone who loved it but you really I said hated what i them. said <laughs> i hear that what about the choreography ashley <laughs> <laughs> well i cried at the end of this film because um i love well executed ensemble choreography as we said it's a very formulaic film and that is on purpose as a little bit of a joke they send up lots of tropes of high school films one of which is that everyone bursts out into identical choreography at the end I lost 
my ever-loving mind. Everyone joins in and recreates Rebel Wilson's character's choreography from 20 years ago. Um, and then they play Bewitch Sailor V over the credits. And it was just... That's all I wanted. That's all I needed. I didn't know I needed it, but I got it. Okay, I was clearly not the um, demographic for this film, I'm going to say. And I have, as we know, three boys rather than any girls. So I couldn't even persuade any of them to watch it with me. So, you know, it was me and my husband who fell asleep. But I did do my research. I, I think my issue, one of my issues with this was Stephanie, I thought, was a really oddly written character. They show you at the beginning that she's this sort of geek that then decides to make herself popular. It's like an active way. She trains herself to be a cheer captain, as she reminds everybody, I'm a cheer captain, I'm a cheerleader. That was actually one of the lines that made me laugh. And she... She, but she doesn't. She, when she wakes up from her coma, she just seems still deeply unpleasant. Tobias, did you have it? Is it not difficult for a? This is a slight movie. You've said this. It's deliberately, you know, slight and it's comedy. And but is that not difficult to go with when you've got such an unlikable lead character? Um. Yeah, I, I found her like hilarious for that. Um, I w watching her kind of like come out of her coma. I wish. Um, we'd seen a bit more of, you know, her waking up to this world and dealing with it. Because I thought the, the bits that were funny and landed for me were really kind of driven by her character and how, un uh, how unpleasant she was. Um, but uh, that never really went anywhere. She just stays kind of unendurable for the entire thing. And not dissimilarly to something like Dear Evan Hansen, you have this obsession with obviously our social media lives and, and likes and followers and this is, you know, her, her sort of her, her arch enemy from prior and after the accident, Zoe Chow, who again is that's a neat role. She plays she plays that kind of bitch. There's an excellent scene where they go and see Deep Impact and that really made me laugh when Zoe Chow gets removed because she's just telling everyone what happened in the film. There are some there are some nifty bits of like, I laughed at least five times. You'll see more than that, I'm going to guess. I laughed a few times. I got some of the reference. I, I, I agree with Tobias. They should have developed the fact that she's woken up after a current, 20 years. The world has completely changed. And I kind of wish they'd developed that narrative a little bit more because you're right. That's where some of the humour really was. I mean, I laughed a lot, but I think it's because a lot of the references in the film are, as I said before, things that I got from other teen movies that I used to watch in the naughty. So I kind of, you know related to them and that made that made me laugh. It's like the homework necessary for Doctor Strange. You have homework necessary. Who would have thought that yeah. you'd have homework necessary for senior year? But um, yeah, you're right. The only I think the only one they did the only one they really do is just that comparison of Madonna to Lazy to Lady Gaga, which seemed pretty lazy anyway and, and Is that and, the only one you got, Emma? What, the only one? No, the only one of her 20, you like, she didn't, there wasn't any talk about who was now president or, I mean, surely yeah. there could have been some some opportunity to be a bit more yeah, cutting, like you say. absolutely should have developed it further, and they, I and agree. You would have expected, I don't know, maybe you would expect that from Rebel Wilson, she's meant to be edgy, but I did, I must say I was impressed by her dancing. I don't know if she has any um sort of professional gymnastical dancing training, but I thought she was, she, she put it out there, particularly when she's in that kind of pink swimsuit. When she Cheerleading choreography is designed for everybody, so it's quite easy. <laughs> That's why it's excellent. Okay, so see the year is not going to change your life but it also sounds like a perfectly charming way to spend it oh also no i'm going to say it was too long it was nearly two hours this could have been an hour and 25 minutes easy that's just my opinion anyway streaming on netflix <laughs> it's a certificate 15 mostly for language cambridge 105 radio
Monday evenings on Cambridge 105 Radio. Strummers and Dreamers with Les Ray. As there are so many different kinds of folk songs out there. Traditional ballads, shanties, work songs, songs by singer-songwriters of all kinds, my particular thing. You'll get live sessions and interviews by local performers and those from further afield, the big names on the scene and newly emerging independent artists. Lots of new music, some classics and something special just for you. Strummers and Dreamers online whenever you want it and Monday at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life cambridge 105 radio you are listening to cambridge 105 radio and this is the cambridge film show it's my turn now. This is Yozzy. Our second trip to the multiverse takes us on a pretty chaotic journey with Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Michelle Yeoh stars as Evelyn Kwan, an unlikely hero who must take on some newfound powers when an interdimensional rupture sends her fighting bizarre dangers from across the multiverse. Here's a trailer. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. No time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. That is the trailer for Everything Everywhere All at Once. The film has been wowing audiences and earning some rapturous praise across the board. But what did our team think? Victoria, I am coming to you first. This film, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what I expected when I watched it, but the only word I can think to describe it sometimes is it's bonkers. Mm -hmm. Is it all a bit too much? 
Um, absolutely not. <laughs> um, if you uh, the previous film that Daniels did was Swiss Army Man, and um, the basis of that film is that uh, Paul Dano drags Daniel Radcliffe's dead body throughout a forest, and they have a romantic relationship. So on that premise, um, everything, everywhere could have done just as much. And I was like, yeah, I'm expecting this completely. Um, it was an incredible multiverse film, as in uh, this one was. It really showed the potential of what the multiverse kind of theory and presence in films could really be, and I'm a giant fan of it. Me too. When yeah. I say bonkers, I mean it in a good <laughs> yeah. way. But you've mentioned there that this, you know, like I said, this is the second film we're talking about that explores the multiverse. Mm. And I said about Doctor Strange that I thought it didn't explore a multiverse mm. enough. To to tell a story about a multiverse is quite a complicated thing to do. It's not easy, but this film goes about it in quite an interesting way. Stuart, I'm looking at you because I know you love Doctor Strange, but how did this one fare to you in exploring that kind of multiverse element? I think you're right. I mean, the story for this particular uh, multiverse uh, film, um, it's the, the very setup allows it to be a bit more... Uh, ridiculous and off the wall. So the multiverse, like they even hint in in, in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that one of one of the multiverses will be made of paint. This one is like just that level of of, of unusualness throughout. There are loads of little sort of cutaways to when they're in a different multiverse where things are each time more absurd than the last. And as they get more absurd, they just they just cause some out loud laughter in the cinema and that was really enjoyable and I think as well for me personally as someone who's watched a lot of things like Star Trek where they excel at their techno babble at the very beginning of this film when they're explaining how this jumping between the multiverse works it was just so again ridiculous and bonkers and silly the technology they're using the, the methods they're using to go between the multiverses is, is just completely bizarre and there are it, it, it's a very complicated movie in that regard and trying to get your head around it but every, every time you try and take it seriously there's another laugh and then you're just put back in the in the comedy seat it's it's a bit of a roller coaster in that regard just picking on some words that you use there stewie stuart i was about to call you stewie for a second there um, <laughs> you said bizarre absurd ridiculous yes Emma, <laughs> I am coming to you, and I know I, you know why I'm coming to you. Because what? I am the dissenting voice on this film, yeah. from both in the studio and it would seem from all critics as well. I enjoyed Stuart's laughter more than anything <laughs> in this film. I was sitting in between wow. you and Stuart when you go and see this, and Stuart's wholehearted love of this film I took great delight in. However, I just could not get on with it at all. I haven't seen Swiss Army Man. I'll say that. So I haven't seen the first film by the Daniels. I think, that, yeah, it is. All of these things. It is bonkers. It is absurd. It is frenetic. It is kinetic. It is technically there is wizardry afoot here for sure. But for me, that was at the expense of any real storytelling, any real logic behind the sci-fi. I understand, you know, that the the actual kind of the the sort of emotional heart of the movie is the relationship between between Michelle Yeoh, who I think is one of the best actresses working today and has been for twenty years. She's and also ably backed up in this with Jamie Lee Curtis, who I also greatly enjoy and flying the flag for mature women everywhere. And her daughter, played by Stephanie Zhu, 
amazing makeup and costumes for Stephanie Zoo, but they're meant to have this sort of she's you know she is she's got she's bought her girlfriend and her mother doesn't necessarily want her you know she hasn't quite accepted this aspect of of, of her you know in a traditional Chinese American family, but it just was so Stephanie Zoo just seemed again really unlikable. I couldn't work out the it just. That didn't make any... There was no emotional heart beating in this film for me at all, so I couldn't really care about all her adventures through the multiverse because I didn't care how it was going to end up. Tobias, I'm I'm going to come to you just because we saw the same screening Mm -hmm. of this film and I think we talked about it a little bit after. Um, We talked about that, what Emma's just mentioned, the kind of emotional payoff of the film. Um, For some people... It works. I think, Vicky, you said you cried, didn't you? I sent a photograph. I was. Um, I I don't think I've cried that much as an example since maybe The Farewell. Um, The the heart of the film, like Emma said, that she didn't quite see, it it, like really reached me. And uh, I kind of, I feel like the comfort, the relationship and the the wave of emotions that go through this film and it's it's kind of shown through the multiverse and facts and like like something really good happens and you're like okay that's great and then it like falls instantly and then you're like it's like a wave and it com- constantly had me on this ride and I I don't think I stopped crying for me over the last hour of the film and I d- it's definitely because there's such key recognition in like the language that Michelle Yeoh uses and the way that maybe it relates to a lot of uh, kids move well, with an Asian mother like my Myself, that like the complications that come with that and the yeah the words that just aren't quite used as much and uh, because of that I think I felt it maybe a bit more <laughs> I've just got to come to Tobias because we haven't heard from you yet did, did you Hi. find that same emotional experience yeah. that Vicky's talking about there I thought it was I thought it was a really good family story that happened to take place in the multiverse <laughs> which was really really wonderful like the whole I had no idea what I was going into with this film I'd avoided any like I'd got wind of the fact that a lot of people liked us avoid everything at all costs or no marketing material or anything um, and then like the first 15 minutes is just kind of like frantic in a laundrette with a family and like I was hooked from the off and then it goes wild and what I was what I was just delighted that it managed to maintain is so many setups at the beginning so many relationships established they're frayed they're delicate and it's not like it goes through the effort of showing that they get fixed it goes to, to the effort of showing that we can understand one another despite of those things. And I thought that was such a beautiful message. I really, really enjoyed that part of it. And speaking of relationships, I mean, um, Emma brought up, though perhaps in the negative sense, the relationship between Evelyn and Joy, but quite a key relationship that is also explored in the film is between Evelyn and her husband, Waymond, who's played by Kehu Kwan. And I think, actually, perhaps they explored that relationship more than they explored the relationship between the mother and daughter. It was done, to me, it was done quite well. I don't know why I'm going to Emma about this, because I, <laughs> I will say my favourite bits of this film involve Wayman because it was only at the very end and I realised he's played by Kihu Huan, and that is, of course, Data from The Goonies, which is obviously one of my most favourite films ever. And, of course, as soon as I swear, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, all grown up. Um, and he, so I'd say he was one of my... The bits I liked probably involved him more than the sort of crazy rocks or the... Oh, 
I don't know. I don't want to hate this, but when we're talking about the sort of the um, scene was great. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the hot dog fingers. I know. I, don't, I, don't, I did enjoy that one. But I was going to say, if we're going to talk about sort of um, relationships with it, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about we, we talked about turning red, on, and I thought in some ways that did that whole competitive. Asian mother needing her daughter to be, you know, wanting her daughter to conform in a certain way. And that, for me, did it better and touched my heart more than this did. I can see why people... Maybe I'm too old for this. We're going to move on to Downton Abbey in a moment. No, no, no. But I just... It just... I, and I think maybe I'll just... I'll, I'll finish because I, I want other people who like it more... I'll just say I think maybe I was a bit guilty of going into it with these rave... You know, knowing... Not knowing much about it, but knowing that everyone, like you said, Tobias, people have been raving about it. So maybe I was expecting something spectacular and I just wasn't quite there. I think this is one of those films that's going to be... Um, it's, it's a lot to take in in one sitting. I think something like The Matrix like that it requires repeat reviewing to really make sense of all the bits because it just happens so fast one bit to the next and I am going to watch it again um, perhaps not in the cinema but certainly in the future to, to really sort of absorb all those bits that I had a hard time repeating and explaining when I came out of the cinema because it was, it was just so overwhelming Talking about The Matrix but the martial arts in this film was absolutely obscene like they were incredible out of, out of nowhere the style in which like i mean i mean they've picked actors so michelle yeo's obviously got a really great martial art past and like in film in general but kihu kwan he completely threw me um, when that started i like i've never wanted an action like i wanted to, to take a complete action background and like it was built so well and i was just it was a marvel to see on screen in a normal setting compared to all the multiverse and all the colors that were happening on screen that like action scene set in like a tax office was one of the like the highlights and is still so visually insane and yeah. can can we take a moment as well as those action scenes which were fantastically done but let's just appreciate the technicality of mm. this film and the sheer artistry the vfx team was five people I, I found that up this morning. I was having a little read. It's five people did the VFX. So like 80% of the, the VFX shots were done by five people. Quite an inexperienced team as well. And it was all um, edited on Premiere Pro, yeah. which is a software that is well. <laughs> which is a software that is known to crash. And the fact that this film <laughs> survived through that is like substantial enough. <laughs> I yeah. will give it. Yeah, like I said, it is technical wizardry right there on the screen. But yeah, yeah I, if you, Stuart said his team needs to go watch it again. If someone asked me, <laughs> if someone told me I had to go and see it again, I would just cry and take a long nap because I don't <laughs> think I can handle it. I was so weary when I came out of this film. So weary. But you appreciated Stuart laughing. I very much. Yeah, really, because <laughs> one, thing, one, thing, one thing is, you know, it's actually a very funny film as well. Mm. You know, it's got some good humour in it, as Stuart will testify. <laughs> yes, it was very funny. Yeah, and Michelle Yeoh is, yeah, is, is just one of, like I say, she's one of the best actresses working today and she's so talented across so many levels. So that is always an enjoyment. There we go. Always an enjoyment. Um, well, most of us here enjoyed the film so if you would like to see everything everywhere all at once is showing at the arts picture house and the light cinemas it is a certificate 15 hold your horses emma now it's your time we are about to go to the south of france with the downton abbey crew have you told them lady grantham she's told us nothing do sit down. I've come into possession of a villa in the south of France. What villa? <laughs> Start at the beginning. Years ago, before you were born, I met a man 
They spend a few days together and he gives her a house. You never thought to turn it down? Do I look as if I'd turned down a villa in the south of France? Telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton. A moving picture at Downton. But the Beatles are famous ones. I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered. There is something about him, like a wild animal ready to spring. Ready to spring on you, you mean? Action! Cut! Cut! Sorry. The modern world comes to Downton. This week, we are taking a trip to the south of France as Julian Fellows brings back the Downton Abbey gang for a new era in the film titled Downton Abbey, A New Era. In their cinematic return, Fellows brings us two storylines to digest with our tea and crumpets. A cinema crew have taken over Downton, causing all sorts of commotion. And formidable matriarch Violet Crawley, played by Maggie Smith, reveals that she has acquired a lovely villa on the French Riviera creating the perfect opportunity for the family to evade the cameras. Emma, you're the only one that's seen this, so um, you're going to have to sell it to us. All the way through, I think we've actually watched the beginning and then walked out, so we'll we'll come to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Downton Abbey, it's a very popular brand, Downton Abbey. It's very well liked. I think you've watched... Right, right, yeah. So, again, we may know pretense to you that I'm the oldest person in the studio by quite some way. Um, My mother loved Downton Abbey as well. Look, it's a grey pound kind of thing. It was. The TV show was a huge success. Ran for maybe seven seasons. I think I watched the first three. I stopped watching it when Cousin Matthew uh, died, who is played by Dan Stevens, who went on to much bigger and better things, including, of course, Fire Saga. I gave up then. But, obviously, they then came back for the feature film, which is clearly made for the overseas market as well as here, and was a fun- was really a very surprising success. So here they are again four years later with exactly the same formula. The thing I love about Downton Abbey, because in the show, lots of bad things happen. Lots of people die because obviously when you're filming a TV show, people want to meet, leave and move on and go and make other, you know, go and make other films and do other stuff and move on with their careers. However, when the chance is to make a load of Wonga to come back and do a film, obviously they can bring everybody back. And in this case, nothing at all dramatic happens in the films. It's literally things almost happen and then everything's okay. In the f- I don't know if anyone saw the first Downton Abbey, but in the first Downton Abbey, the whole premise is the king and queen are coming to have dinner at Downton Abbey. And the major drama was the fact that the king and queen staff wanted to cook dinner for the king and queen, not the Downton Abbey staff. That was the drama. So they locked them in their bedrooms and got to serve dinner to the king and queen. I mean, you couldn't really make up such a lame storyline. But, but now you've got these two plot threads that we've got, you know, the film crew... Yes, the, it, the film, well, the film crew is basically singing in the rain, set in Downton Abbey. You have this... So they, they turn up, it's the, it's the end of the... Um, it's the end of the silent movie era. Talkies are coming. And you have... You do actually have Dominic West playing the delightful Guy Stevens, who is the lead. And then Laura Haddock... I think I know mostly from maybe the in between us. She's playing the um, female star Myrna Knight, and of course, she's a lot of this is just all about how incredibly beautiful she is. So, if you don't find uh, Laura Haddock incredibly beautiful, then you're going to struggle. But she also, when she opens her mouth, she sounds like Eliza Doolittle. And halfway through filming, oh my goodness, no, they're going to have to turn this into a talkie because otherwise, no one's going to see it. We're going to have to shut down production. Downton Abbey's not going to have any money because they're only doing it, they're only forcing themselves to do this low rent thing to fix the ceilings because the roof is leaking at Downton Abbey. This is a reality coming home to roost for our entitled, entitled Crawley family. But anyway, so obviously it's okay because Lady Mary steps in and she can do the voiceover. So Allah singing in 
in the rain. And in the meantime, you also have six of them frolicking around this massive villa in the south of France, which may or may not mean that Hugh Bonville playing Robert Grantham is not actually Violet Prawley's son at all. Turns out, though, not to panic, he always was. Nothing nefarious went on there either. <laughs> Romances happen. Lovely, lovely... Um, <laughs> the lovely, lovely butler, who in the last Downton Abbey we find out he is obviously a... He is a closeted homosexual because it's hard to be anything else, of course, in the 1930s. And in the first film, he, he falls in love with one of the royal butlers. But at the beginning of this, we see his heartbreak as the royal butler is getting married because he isn't as strong. He can't live his life. But it's OK because, of course, who else turns out? Dominic West invites him off to Hollywood to be his dresser. And you even get the line where it's like, so I'll be like your dresser, which I just think was such a, such a nod to the film, the dresser. But the joy is in everything happening in such a comfortable way, shot beautifully, it will rip through Amer the American audiences again because you have Highclere House standing in the Downton Abbey, which is gorgeous. They shoot beautifully lensed sunsets, sunrises. And, you know, these are... No one in this studio particularly, but these are characters that people have loved for a long time and will pay £9 to go and see on a big screen. It's a bit like wheeling your TV in, getting yourself a box of quality street, drinking a glass of Baileys and pretending it's Christmas. Is there anything for people who have not watched Downton Abbey or no. who are not fans of, <laughs> who are not fans of Downton Abbey to enjoy here? Or do you have to have enjoyed the TV show or the first film to get this one? I think maybe the first... Ashley's shaking her head, but we know, and this is, OK, this is one for, for listeners, but we reviewed the first Downton Abbey film and Lorcan O'Neill, regular reviewer and sometime host of this show, he had never seen a single... He's an American. <laughs> Irish. <laughs> He'd never seen a single minute of the TV show, but he went to go see the first Downton Abbey film and he was charmed by it. I think you can be... Like I say, it's hard not to be charmed by a film where literally no drama happens. And in this difficult i mean maybe i maybe i needed this after everything everywhere all at once um in this tumultuous time we're living through perhaps there's something to be said to just go and sit in a cozy cinema and, and not be stressed i didn't see this but as a comment it almost sounds like you went from watching everything everything everywhere all at once from nothing nowhere none of the time is that <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, <laughs> that's been very good. The whole Stuart. show. <laughs> I think you also threw out Downton Abbey and the multiverse of entitlement at some point as well. And obviously, you know, this is this is period. We, but we do this very well. It's not really giving away too much of a spoiler because, in fact, at the end of the first Downton Abbey, which is four years ago, this is when Maggie Smith announces that she has a terrible yet unnamed illness. Because I thought she was done with Downton Abbey. Well, I think she... At the end of Downton Abbey 1, she tells them all that she is dying of, of some... But she's still hanging, clinging on, obviously, four <laughs> years later. So maybe they lured her back with enough. And she is obviously a highlight because she is Dame Maggie Smith. And as she gets more emotional, her cut-glass accent kind of, sort of starts to swing a bit into maybe what is her more natural sort of southern accent. But you, it does mean you get to see Jim Carter reciting King Lear as a close-up camera comes towards and towards the end. And then they do the most... Um, they do, they do this incredible funeral scene. And again, I, I just couldn't help but think this is really for the overseas market because we do that kind of pomp. You know, people come to the UK for our pomp and our ceremony and our historical landed gentry and riches. And I couldn't help but think about maybe another, you know, funerals that will come soon. I was like, this is just, it just felt a bit, that was a little bit it's OTT. a little bit too indulgent, a bit too predictable as a format. for. But th therein 
I think therein lies the joy and the magic. It is the predictability. That's what we, it, I didn't think I was going to like this. I went to go and see it because we, 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 we should cover it because it's a big film. It's still yes. showing at yeah. all the cinemas three mm-hmm. weeks on. So it's, you know, it's part of our remit to, to you know, do these. And no one else wanted to go and see it. So I was like, oh. I went. <laughs> I went. Yes, I, I left. Did. Because there was too much sitting on grass for you. It just enraged me. I, was, I literally do not have time for this. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I was hungover. I'd had two very big days at work. I sat and ate a large hot dog in the cinema and I greatly enjoyed it. We're going to leave it there. Thank you very, very much, Emma. As, as she's mentioned, Downton Abbey, a new era is currently showing at all three Cambridge cinemas. It is a certificate PG. Back to me. Right, we're going to head back to the streamers for our final, sh- final film of the show and we are going to go back to high school and along for the ride. I never really had a chance to be a kid. I spent most of my time in my mom's world. What are your plans for the summer, Auden? I'm spending it with my father and Colby. She thinks they're gonna bond. Mom. My whole life was about school, which didn't leave me a lot of time for anything else. But it's the summer before college. And I want to change that. So glad you're here. This is my stepdaughter, Auden. I didn't mean to scare you. Sorry, long night. Aren't they all? Will you let me make it up? Based on a popular young adult novel by Sarah Desson, Along for the Ride tells the story of Auden in the summer before starting college, who has been a quintessential good girl and honor student, living her teenage years doing all the right things to to ensure that college scholarship, and as she says, for the rest of my life to be great. But maybe she wants to see what she's been, been missing. So for this final summer, she takes herself off to the seaside town of Colby to stay with her father and stepmother to maybe reinvent, her, reinvent herself just a little and see what she has missed. And then she meets the enigmatic Eli who is helping, he's going to help her do just this. Vicky, you were the <laughs> first one to put your hand up to watch, to watch this when we were looking for some streamers this week. I think you've read the book. Is that yeah, right? that's correct. Um, did your love for the book, do you think, make you love this even more or was I'm going it not- to say yes I feel like it conditioned me to love this film more than I would have done um Sarah Dessen the author of Along for the Ride she is the like the she's famous for having the strong formula of you know a girl that has not had the usual experiences and a troubled boy and you put them together in a tiny picturesque town and see what happens and as a teenager that was absolutely why I wanted to read all the time so um it's surprising it's came out so many years later but as soon as I saw this I was really like obviously I was quite excited to watch it and uh it very much lived up to everything I was expecting I had a great time I am this is not something I would instantly maybe click on and I don't think it's got much promotion from Netflix either but um it's got the perfect um formula like the book for a why like a, a young adult film and every Per, every person was cast great there was amazing like there was amazing amazing girl group you have um Kate Bosworth coming along with uh, Dermot Mulroney and then you also have Andy McDowell as the mother with the pressure on the on the daughter and yeah I think um everything I wanted from this film I got with this like this speciality of a, a soundtrack done by Beach House um, and the score as well and like the perfect teenage romance kind of thing that makes you listen to it days after. 
Ashley, did you enjoy this more or less than senior year? Are, I mean, are, are they very different films? I ended up liking senior year. I didn't want to watch that. I, I, yeah, but I had to do the punishing homework because I couldn't be bothered to go to the cinema. So I had to watch the children's films on Netflix instead. Um, senior year was made for me, though, um, and this is made for someone... 15 or 20 years younger than me um, I haven't read the books I enjoy that formula as well it's cutesy and what I got from this is similar to what I got from senior year and that I've really enjoyed seeing how much YA films have come on the different kinds of characters I didn't get given to me as much um, as a young person and I'm glad people younger than me are getting them now Tobias, Emma, it's Emma Passarau and Passarau, Passaro and Belmont Kameli. What a couple of names. Uh, starring as Auden and Eli. And I must admit, I, I wouldn't recognise those names. I've never seen them in anything. Have you seen them in anything before? Was their chemistry believable? No, I haven't seen them in anything before. The chemistry was, was good between them, I thought. Um, I did struggle with the film I didn't actually finish it but I am <laughs> not the target audience at all I had a spare evening I thought I'll do, I'll do another film that would be fun um, but like for me they're just it's a really lovely premise and it just doesn't ever really get into the the meat of it really but there is no meat there's no, <laughs> there's the, there's but, no meat to this film is, I saw like some is it Downton Abbey for kids <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I saw some real potential in s some early scenes like when she meets her dad for the first time mm, and he kind yeah. of instantly dismisses her and yeah. there was so there was almost something there it, it nearly lands a couple of times and I think that just made I think that's why I couldn't finish in the end because mm. I've been lured in by a couple of little hooks mm. and then just nothing paid off and by the time they were all just frolicking in the ocean I went I think it's time for bed um, <laughs> so Vicky I take it Del I take it Dermot Romini must be her father and, he is indeed and Kate yeah. Bosworth the stepmother, stepmother and yeah. then Andy McDowell is the mother now yeah. we've just seen Andy McDowell really yeah. um burst back onto our screens, I think, in Made on yeah. Netflix, the, the limited TV show starring with her real-life daughter, Margaret Qualley, and I thought she was a force of nature in that, and it made me realise how much I miss Andy McDowell. I don't know how much she has to do in this film, but is she a welcome addition? Um, she has around about ten minutes of screen time, and that is... Um, Playing in, the same character yeah, as in, she did in Made. In very insufferable. Um, and then... Um, Centred narcissistic. <laughs> and then just comes back around. If anything, she's just very well-dressed um, yes. throughout the whole thing, and she looks very nice with a glass of wine in her hand, um, so this is not the right role for maybe Andrew McDowell, as stunning and as incredible as she is. Uh, this is definitely... I feel like this film is um, a typical streaming um, and like a Thursday night kind of film and uh, it glasses over all the, the kind of tough, uh, maybe difficult bits they could have went into, especially as a main theme is like loss of a best friend as well. But they just avoid the whole topic and like that is something that could have really been delved into. But because they wanted to keep it on a light-hearted pace with like, you know, like I mentioned, a really uh, soft uh, soundtrack in the background. Um, it didn't. It didn't have anything to it. But maybe it's because I have the books and I have the ba like the homework or the background <laughs> knowledge. Um, maybe that's what happened yeah. there. I totally agree that they did gloss over stuff. There's lots of bad things that could be talked about in their lives. I think they did it because it's for young people and it's meant to be light-hearted. Because Last week, I also rewatched Bridge to Terabithia, which is a children's film, but completely wrecks me still as an adult, even though I know what happens. 
And I, all I can think about when I watch that is this is not for kids. This is too stressful and horrible for young children to watch. So I think that's why they just touch on little bits here and then we go back to fun and then, oh, we'll touch on that and then we'll go back to fun. One final question because we'll have to wrap up, wrap up with this, but this is the directorial debut for Sofia Alvarez who has credited on writing for things like To All the Boys I've Loved Before and P.S. Mm. I Love You and other sort of, the, you know, typically YA dramas. Based on this, do you think she's going to have the opportunity to direct... Do you, stuff. do you know what? I, I hope so because um, she's had all those she has the, the the background and she has the experience to direct something I feel like this is a really good debut for me personally and I hope she goes on to advance to maybe with something more not on Netflix excellent well um, Along for the Ride is streaming on Netflix it's a certificate 12A and what, what did Vicky say a good Thursday night streamer <laughs> sweet enough there you go. Look forward to your Thursdays. That's it. That is all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Emma, Stuart, Ash, Tobias, Vicky, for a great show. Our next show is going to be on Saturday, the 28th of May at 12 o'clock. And let's be frank, it's probably just going to be Emma gushing over <laughs> Top Gun Maverick and the new AHA documentary. Emma, it's all down to you that week. Until then, it is goodbye from us. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. On FM. Digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. Live and local.